I would have to go out and buy shutter shades. You ironically. can literally get a pair at Party City for like five dollars. I'd have to go to Party City, and oh, that's like a tough a, five dollars to part with. What a taxing ordeal like, that would be. <laughs> this is like what's funny to me now is ironically buying shitty shades and going to a company party, having two drinks, and then immediately leaving before anyone can talk to me. <laughs> that just be. That's- tough routine that's that's what adulthood is ben i mean were you not ready for this (laughs) why didn't someone tell me that when i was 16 (laughs) taking my time welcome back to the burn down the big 10 podcast it is is it week three no is it knows. week four i don't i don't know what it is but the yes. big 10 sucked yeah last weekend ben we I did you said it was gonna be a clean sweep i said the only team that was gonna get upset was nebraska and uh somehow both wrong hey <laughs> we called it burn down the big 10 for <laughs> yeah, a reason uh, truly what a return to form for a conference that we knew had serious issues still uh really glad that they just jumped in with both feet this week Literally, what, like almost every team just completely fell ass backwards. Some of them got away with it. Some, Most of them didn't. Uh, what a disaster. What a complete disaster for a whole week. I can't wait to talk about it and relive it. We love to see it. We love to see it. I, I very much enjoy watching the highlights of a lot of these games. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's uh, especially in wake yeah. of what we were talking about last week, it's going to be interesting to follow, especially with, you know, my – yeah, Maryland's going to go undefeated yeah, by the there's Ohio There's a lesson State to be learned about not drinking the Kool-Aid <laughs> and uh, not overreacting. I think both of us fell victim to that, and lo and behold, yeah. glad I didn't bet real oh, money well. on the uh, Big Ten this week. I would have lost a lot of it. Yeah, well, we're we're going to get into all of it. We're going to go over who had the most embarrassing loss, who had the most least embarrassing loss, uh, we'll go over Ohio State a little bit, really the only team that actually came out of this week looking good. And uh, we'll do a bit of a preview for our Big East versus Big West Super Bowl this week, which is Michigan at Wisconsin. So let's get right into it. The worst loss this weekend, most embarrassing, we had Maryland going down to Temple, who they lost to last year. And it's fair to wonder if Maryland might have been looking ahead to Penn State a little bit, which will be the first Friday night Big Ten matchup of this season, which I'm just (laughs) aching for. Can't wait. Uh, What else did we have? Uh, We had Michigan State losing to Arizona State. That was rather unexpected and pretty hilarious ending, if I do say so myself. Uh, We had the Boilermakers getting the doors blown off them at home by TCU. And uh, we also had Illinois shockingly losing to a directional Michigan team at home and really never being in the game to begin with, if I'm being honest. Eastern Michigan pretty thoroughly dominated them. So, Ben. What in your mind was the most embarrassing loss of the so, 10 team? The most embarrassing loss is clearly Michigan State, mostly because Arizona State, for the majority of that game, thought that three points was going to be enough to win, and they were almost right. I mean, they basically played to win 3 nothing, and then eventually had to go and get a touchdown late. Um, 
I think you agree with me. So really quickly, just to talk about the most embarrassing moment, though, I don't know if anyone watched that Illinois game. I hope to God you didn't. But Illinois goes on a touchdown drive really late, under two minutes to tie the game up, and then just allows Eastern Michigan to march six plays, 68 yards in like 45 seconds to kick a chip shot field goal to win, just getting blown off the ball. So that was the most embarrassing moment. But the most embarrassing team, yet again, Michigan State, who is proving that that preseason ranking was just a complete joke. I would have to say most embarrassing moment is actually from the Michigan State game. You leave 12 (laughs) men on the field for a game-tying field goal attempt that you need, and then you have to re-kick. And granted, they got screwed over by a bad call that the officials later admitted to that they should have called a... Leaping penalty, right? I don't think on the name of that, but yeah, leaping, or you can't jump over the, the center when they're snapping on a field goal attempt. But it's hard for me to feel bad for them when you leave 12 men on the field in your most important play of the game. Uh, the fun, the most amusing thing to me was when I went to watch the highlights of this game and they, for some reason, the person that cut the video left in the entire intro. And then the first highlight immediately after the intro was three minutes and 40 seconds into the second quarter of the game. So I can only imagine how riveting this must've been for the Michigan state faithful to watch. Really exciting. Yeah. The Michigan state offense just continues to be absolutely terrible and, there's an argument you can make that Arizona state is a really good defense and Michigan state won't play a whole lot of defenses that much better. But I mean, for the love of God, seven points on your home turf against a bad team. I mean, you know, we run out of words to talk about it when it comes to Michigan state, but this is a team that basically decided that they don't really need to go outside the program to readjust their offensive coaching staff. They play a bunch of musical chairs. They come out and it's the same crap and it's similarly inefficient and effective. And good Lord, can you imagine having to watch this team play 13 games? I'm really glad I'm not. Oh, Michigan God, State can't, can't even dream. That's a crazy. No, we punishment. have more words than they have points on their own Ooh. home turf. So no one will we'll keep coming. I did think it was pretty funny uh, that D'Antonio after the game as well said that you can't really put it all on the coaches, which I, I, I love when a coach does the opposite of what a head coach should do when they're coaching young players, which is take the media attention away from the people that are actually playing the sport. Mm -hmm. And instead, D'Antonio has now said, hey, our players need to execute and play better, even though we have constructed an offense that's only going to be able to score in the single digits at home. And that definitely does not bode well for playing the other talented defensive units in the Big Ten East. So I think after this game, it's just, you can effectively roll Michigan State out of contention. Oh, yeah, for sure, if you hadn't already. And that, that like classic coach speak crap of, you know, oh, the players just got to go out there and execute is just so infuriating. And, you know, from the outside, it's infuriating. As a fan, I'm sure it's way more infuriating. I mean, you know, it feels like it's it's this classic punching down crap from an old man saying it's the 18 to 22-year-old's fat fault uh, when the reality of the situation is they're being coached by a bunch of incompetent people. And it's just, I cannot stand it when coaches do this. And Lord knows Michigan State coaches in every sport just love to do it. Oh, get him. Get Izzo. Yeah. Get him. Anyway, uh, so they're two and one right now. If they don't qualify for a bowl game, let's let's say worst Ooh. case scenario here. What do you think that Sheets does for tumbling. D'Antonio's job security? Man, that's such a good question um, because he's not – on the hot seat he's not 
been mentioned as a coach who should be on the hot seat. But it feels like he should but be. He, yeah, he? absolutely feels like he should be. I think the, the best news about not radically restructuring their coaching staff is that you still have that excuse. You know, ultimately what can and probably should happen is he'll rejigger the offensive coaching staff and thus he'll avoid having to, you know, take a train out of town. So I, I think he's going to be okay. I mean, unless it, you know, obviously if it like super spirals and they lose nine straight games, then yeah, like, you know, maybe we start asking those questions, but I think he's, he's got a lifeboat right now. So I don't think he's going to go, but I mean, gosh, it's, it's not trending in a good direction. Remember they were in the college football playoff, not that long ago. And it's just gotten so bad ever since. Yeah, that's true. Um, well, you, we, you touched on Illinois a little bit. Uh, any thoughts you want to offer up on Maryland or, uh, your, your yeah. big 10 West darlings, Purdue? Yeah. Well, f- yeah. First of all, Purdue, let's just retire the thought of them being relevant in the big 10 West or the big 10 in general. Bye bye. Yeah. It's that bit is firmly done. We can call it. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, Maryland is a, it's a good example of why sample size is so important. I think that it was very easy to look at their game against Syracuse and both you and I are kind of guilty of this and just like eyes get big. And it's like, wow, this team can really pound the ball. They're going to be a great offensive team, yada, yada. Um, this team still has a bunch of question marks. Josh Jackson, goodness gracious, dude, 15 of 38. Not so good. And nope. they're still going to be a good team and they're still going to really challenge some really good teams. I think this season, I think their ceiling is of what they can do is probably closer to the Syracuse game then, you know, their floor being closer to the Temple game. If it's still a team, I think, that has enough oomph to get to eight wins. But, yeah, I mean, it's it's really hard to win every game you're supposed to win as a college football team unless you're a really elite team. And Maryland got that lesson in spades last week. And, and I would say, too, you know, Temple beat them last year, and I, I would have hoped that they would have wanted to make amends for losing that game, but... They do have a very, very big game with Penn State next um, next weekend that I think is really going to, you know, be a much more defining where are we as a program game mm-hmm. for them than this one ever was. And yeah, I no think doubt. that it's fair, even though they had a bye this weekend, I think it's fair to wonder if they were looking ahead to that, not really giving the game the respect it deserves. Upon the rewatch, too. Temple's first touchdown was on a semi-blown coverage assignment, and their second one came on a an absolute bomb uh, where the guy playing man against Temple's receiver fell over, and then the safety you know took a bad angle and fell over, and Temple was just able to go off of a cut into the house from there. So you're looking at you know more than half of the points they got off that game came off of kind of fluky coverage on very deep passes. So. I think Maryland's got an opportunity to clean up their defensive mistakes that they made. I still absolutely love Anthony McFarland in that running game that yeah, they have, even though they ran into a very stingy Temple defense. I think they're going to be fine. And honestly, I mean, we're we're going to talk about Penn State and the other teams that had close calls in a minute, but I I really like them to beat Penn State mm. and, and on in that Friday night game, yeah. Friday night road environment. I. I really think that if Penn State starts slow, which has kind of been their two for two, uh, it's been their it, right. It's that's what they've been doing in a lot of these games. Other than their first game, they won seventy-seven nothing against it. Who are they playing again? Idaho seventy-nine yeah, right. seven against Idaho. So it's like who who cares about that? I mean, they they've been slow out of the gate in their other two games, and I think if they start slow against an offense that explosive, 
they're probably going to end up paying for it. But let's let's move on then. Uh, we don't we don't really need to lament too much on Purdue in that case. <laughs> Yes. Uh, so there were a few other near losses this weekend that were fairly bad. We, we just mentioned Penn State, who really came down to the wire against Pitt. And in all honesty, if Pitt hadn't, you know, spilled spaghetti out of their <laughs> pockets, so to speak, uh, at the end on the goal line, they're gone for a field goal and then completely biffed it. I think you're looking at a much more different result than the 17 to 10 game that they ultimately ended up with mm-hmm. minnesota just for some reason keeps flirting with these ridiculous fcs i don't know if georgia southern's fcs but no, they sound FBS. like they okay they're, they're FBS, real. but they're a directional georgia so <laughs> i mean that, I, can you name any of the other directional georgias like come on oh gosh uh and then you've also got iowa barely skating out against iowa state on what was another fairly embarrassing play i think uh, needing those two guys to run into each other on the uh, fair catch yeah, at the end rules. in order to get the ball For the back record, that's end. a sick as hell way to win a, a football game. Like, that's bad. I mean, it's fun, it's fun to on. laugh at the Big 12, <laughs> you know, contingent people that, you know, are worshiping that conference the way that people do the SEC. But I digress. Anyway, Ben, <laughs> most embarrassing near loss between those three teams. What, what would, Who would you have to say? Minnesota's got to be the worst 3-0 team in the country, right? I they're, think that's very fair assessment. They're really bad. They're really incredibly lucky to get away from Georgia, who Georgia Southern, who's not good. I mean, they're like a bad Sunbelt team. I mean, it's a touchdown with less than 15 seconds left to win a game. Like, goodness gracious, they sh- probably should have right. lost to South Dakota State. They could have lost to Fresno State. They're 3-0, and and their combined margin of victory is 13 points. So, you know, if you want to point towards sketchy Big Ten West team that's going to be an eight-win team despite being huge amounts of ass, Minnesota's going to be that team this year. I mean, like, they, they almost are a dead ringer for Purdue to me. I mean, they've, they've got one great receiver in Tyler Johnson that they are force-feeding the ball to. And, I mean, they have a little bit more of balance in terms of running and passing, but their, their defense is just a sieve. I mean, Georgia yeah. Southern at, at multiple times in this game was running a very good option attack that you would think that a team that is in a power five conference would be very easily able to at least counter against. And they just couldn't figure it out. I, so I, yeah, I, I was very discouraged by what I saw from the Gophers as well. But I, I still want to lean towards that Penn State loss being the most embarrassing just because of how they had to eke it out. Penn State win. They did. Give them a little bit of credit. They did win the game. They did. Uh, I lost. I still think that they should have lost. I mean, that first of all, I need I need to really give praise to the uh, the pit coach that on a fourth down and oh, short gosh, that they needed Pat to Narduzzi. convert all that Baby. play action pass <laughs> over the top and got something like a 20 or 30 yard gain on a fourth. I mean that the stones you have to have to make a call like that in that situation. I mean, I give them a ton of props for it, which makes it all the more confusing that you get down to like the one yard line and you kick a field goal. (laughs) Like, what are you doing? So I don't know if, if that guy doesn't piss his pants, if they, you know, keep the foot down on, you know, trying to be aggressive towards the end of the game to go for that tie, I think you're looking at a very different result because Penn State did not finish that game strong, I didn't think. And they didn't start no. fast either. And it's like I said, if they don't start fast against a Maryland team that could come out and hit them in the mouth, I really don't see them winning. Yeah, I mean, 
Pitt made it as easy as uh, as easy on Penn State as they could have. Uh, really bad week for Michigan State and the ex Michigan State coaches, Pat Narduzzi, not not looking so good. But yeah, I guess the one reason, and it's not a good reason, but the one reason why this doesn't freak me out as much as say the Minnesota game does, is that this is technically a rivalry game. It's an in state game. Is. Weirder things have happened in this matchup in the past. So I'm kind of willing, you know, same thing with El Asico in Iowa, in Iowa, Iowa State. It's just like, you know, this is a weird rivalry game. Weird things happen. You know, get your win and go home. Uh, but yeah, bad performance for sure for Penn State. I mean, they've had probably three halves of good football and three halves of really bad football, I would say. Three games in, right? Struggled in the first half against Buffalo, struggled all game against Pitt, and then dominated Idaho. Congratulations. Right. Uh, yeah, definitely question marks there. I do think Penn State's going to be just fine, but uh, yeah, I mean, not I good. just I think not it's good, more basically the reason why more embarrassing with respect to what we're expecting out of Penn State this year versus what we're expecting that's, out of that's Minnesota. That's really true. Yeah, if they're going to be a team that's going to challenge Ohio State, uh, you shouldn't squeak out wins against Pitt. Exactly. That's very true. That's a good point. Well, you you briefly touched on Iowa. So was it was there was nothing discouraging then at all that you think from that 1817 uh, performance? Nah, I mean like Iowa State's a fine team and this matchup has just always been freaking weird. I mean this is just always a radioactive game. Yeah, I mean they won it and they got away from it. It's fine. And just this is definitely definitely a matchup. I mean, especially with the way the game happened to, or is like five hours of lightning delays where it's just, you know, get a win and get on your way. And, you know, in the Big Ten West, non-conference play doesn't matter anyway. So it's fine. It's not good. I mean, if, I, if I'm an Iowa fan, I'm not skipping around after that game, but it's it's just a bizarre matchup where weird things happen. So I, d- I know, do think for it your being a rivalry home. game, it was probably the worst case scenario for them, not only in terms of it being at Iowa state and you know, that just not being a fun environment to play in for any team, I would imagine, let alone an in-state rivalry <laughs> game. But also I think that when you're a team that likes to play ball control, the way that Iowa does, I think that, staying in rhythm and staying consistent is important. And when you have a game that keeps just, you know, getting sidetracked by weather delays, that, that definitely does not lend itself to staying in rhythm, even though I think most of it occurred during the first quarter, if I'm not mistaken. So it was definitely a weird game for them. Um, But yeah, I'm not reading too much into it either in terms of whether or not I thought they should have brought it more rivalry games in general, I think are, you know, if you get out of them with a win, that's fine. And I know we were just, right. or I was at least, you know, just giving <laughs> Penn State shit for that. And and to be fair, Pitt Pitt makes it mixes it up with all their rivals pretty well. So I mean, there's there's something to be yeah. said with that. But again, I think that we're expecting a lot more out of Penn State than we are out of uh, those other two teams in the Big West. Even though I did pick Iowa to make the Big Ten championship, but in any event, yeah. let's talk about the one team that came out of. The this weekend looking great. That would be the Ohio State Buckeyes. And Ben, I can imagine that for someone that's not a fan like yourself, it seems like we're having the same conversation every week. But I do want to stress, I don't think Indiana is completely inept. And they did play the quarterback that last year threw for over 300 yards against Ohio State in Columbus. So you definitely saw notable improvement from the defense. Yeah, I, I don't. It was, so let me let's start yeah. with you then. 
Did, do, you, <laughs> do you pull anything out of this game in terms of your evaluation for Ohio State going forward? Ohio State confirmed a lot of the things that I thought previously, which is that you know J.K. Dobbins is going to be good again this year. Thank goodness. I mean, he had an absolutely fantastic game against Indiana. They have a really good offensive line, which is going to win them a lot of football games. Uh, but the bottom line is Indiana was playing their backup quarterback, and I do not know how the hell he got for 300 yards last year. But he's basically well, he was throwing against Greg Schiano. That's how he did. It. Yeah, 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 yeah. Good point. There it is. You could do that every week. You'd be a really great quarterback. Um, but yeah, I mean, you can't make Indiana more toothless than what they were against Ohio State. If Mike Penix were back there at quarterback and it was 51-10, I might feel a little bit differently. But Indiana was just super is it, overmatched. Is it Penix or State Penix? did what you're supposed to do. I think uh, that's a hell of a question, yeah. dude. I do not do not watch enough. I, I'm going to say Indiana Penix just to there. err on the side of caution. I've only seen it written, not that's said. That's so right. let's let's go with Penix. Uh, but to, okay. but to your point, you know, I, I was kind of excited to see what Penix was going to do against them just because I know that mobile quarterbacks in recent years have stressed them out a little bit more. That You know, the, that kind of Baker Mayfield archetype has given them a lot of fits, and I wanted to see how the new system was going to, uh, fair against that. So I was a little disappointed uh, that he did, he wasn't able to go. And then they did have to show Peyton Ramsey. But again, I mean, Ramsey did throw for a lot against them last year. And you did see the notable improvement from the defense, which I think is the more important thing than anything here. Cause we, we both knew that if this was going to be another installment of a team that is able to, you know, drop 50, but give up 50 to Maryland in the same breath, this was not going to be a team that was going to be able to compete for the college football playoff. I think that the I think that the Ohio State players have taken a liking to this new defensive system. I love seeing zone coverage again. It makes me very, very happy, considering Greg Schiano was <laughs> allergic to it and only like playing man, which can only take you so far. And honestly, after how much man coverage the Michigan coaches played last year, and now that they're essentially coaching this Ohio State defense, I was a little bit worried about how their tendencies were going to be. And really, we've seen a lot of consistency, a lot of good contextual um, scheme calling um, with respect to where they are at in the game. They've been getting a lot of the young guys in to mm-hmm. substitute them in when the game's late, so they're building a lot of experience with the young guys for later. They, I, I'm very, yep. very encouraged by what I saw. And I really try to be restrained because I know that it really only takes one misstep for an Ohio State season to go up in flames with respect to what the expectations are. But I got to tell you, I don't think that Indiana is nearly as bad as you do. I think that they're probably still about. No, they're good when they have their real quarterback. Fair. I mean, they're going to like they could be a seven win team if they had their actual quarterback, but with Peyton Ramsey, they're a five win team. I guess I I just don't think Penix is as far along yet as you do. I guess think he's still about, you know, he's, he would, he kind of needs to take his lumps, I think for a year in the big 10 before you start, you know, being able to ask yourself, is this a team that's going to be able to hang with the top half of the division that they're in? Uh, I mean, they'll never be that, but I mean, it's a team where their best, their best players on offense are all wide receivers. And when, you know, you have a quarterback whose arm strength is 15 yards if the wind is at my back. <laughs> you, know, you don't really see the full version of the team. All right. Well, we can agree to disagree then. But let me <laughs> let me ask you this then. Uh, do you think that after this weekend they're a serious playoff con- contender? Oh, uh, I mean, they kind of always have been in my eyes. I and mean, they're clearly the Big Ten's best shot. 
I don't think anything's changed. I'll say exactly what I said last week, which is that it's going to be another month before we know for sure. It'll be the Wisconsin game where we get the first taste of is Ohio State actually one of the very best teams in the country or are they just a very good team? So everything that they've done to this point has been great. There's not a whole lot more you can ask for, but the bottom line is anyone can beat a team like Indiana with Peyton Ramsey being a uh, top five team is a completely different. Well, it's game. interesting. You're waiting a month because I actually, I'm the thing I'm most excited to see is how they react to that Nebraska game, uh, which has just been yeah, flexed into a road, night, yeah. a night game. And I think that it kind of, it draws a lot of parallels last year to the game where they faltered in with at Purdue. And I think that that's probably yeah. at, at this stage for Nebraska, after their disappointing stretch out of the gate, they're looking at that as a litmus test of where are we really as a program in terms of trying to hang with the, the creme de la creme of the big 10. Um, so I, yeah. I think that that's actually going to give us a lot better of an idea sooner rather than later about whether we can start taking this team seriously. Cause they, I don't think that they've really faced a lot of adversity yet. Obviously the first two games were pretty much washes and I don't, I don't know what a lot of people expected going into this game. I thought it was going to be a resounding victory, but I still expected Indiana to hang out a little bit more than they did, even though they made it a game in the first quarter. So, but uh, it, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, you have any thought? I mean, we'll, we'll talk more about Ohio state, Nebraska next week, but uh, do, are there any thoughts you have mm-hmm. at the outset right now? Uh, I mean, the one thought that I have about Ohio State right now is that Miami of Ohio's coach, I think, had the quote of the young season so far, which is like he said that playing Ohio State is like picking teams at recess, except the other guy has the first 85 <laughs> picks. It's, I saw that. <laughs> that was pretty good. Which is so on the nose. Like that is literally what it's going to be like for Miami of yeah. Ohio. And it's not going to be a fun well, time. I'll be I'll be praying for our, our Mac brothers in, in northwestern <laughs> Ohio this weekend for sure keep them in your thoughts all right well uh we're gonna take a quick break but when we come back we're gonna preview uh the biggest game of the weekend in the big 10 which is obviously michigan at wisconsin and uh we'll wrap up with uh some quick thoughts from ben on northwestern against michigan state this weekend and uh we'll we'll give it a wrap so stick around and we'll be right back Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, welcome back. So, we have the biggest game in the Big Ten in this young season so far this weekend, Ben. It's true. It's not a high bar, but it is a big game. Eh, It's two top 15 teams. I think that that's a fairly decent, you know, standard to set. It's certainly, no, I'm forgetting which top 10 teams are playing this way. I think it's Georgia and Notre Dame, although I would... That's right. I would expect that yeah, to be for- a railroading in favor of Georgia. <laughs> I, I think Michigan Wisconsin will be a little bit more competitive, but I also am fairly expecting it to be a pretty low scoring game. It'll be interesting to oh, see yeah. if Wisconsin finally surrenders a point this season. 
Mm, yes, lots on the line for Wisconsin. But yeah, well, this is easily the, the biggest game of the Big Ten so far. I mean, for a season that's been kind of sleepy to start for the Big Ten, and you get this game, which is immediately maybe the biggest game in the Big Ten West all year long. Because, you know, if Wisconsin wins this, they've got two hands on that title trophy, basically. Um, but yeah, I think this is for anyone who likes traditional Big Ten football, three yards in a cloud of dust stuff. This is literally everything you could ever want. I, I think that's a fairly accurate assessment. Um, but before we get into the game, let's let's ask ourselves. I am flabbergasted. This is a noon kickoff. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. I and I don't know what time sense. that Georgia Notre Dame game is. I would assume it's been flexed into a night game, and they're probably going to have game day. But I I cannot. I mean, this the only two games that are past noon this weekend are Miami of Ohio at Ohio State, which is on Big Ten Network, and Nebraska at Illinois, which is also on Big Ten Network. I'm yeah. frankly shocked that Michigan and Wisconsin are not playing later in the day. I, I don't understand. Yeah, I mean, this is. This is like peak sleepy morning Big Ten kind of game where it's it's a good game, but it's going to be, you know, if you're in the central time zone like me, it kicks off at 11 o'clock and you can probably turn it on at like 1230 and you might miss a touchdown and that'll be about it. Huh? It doesn't. I mean, it's, it is objectively the second biggest game on the schedule. I'm on the and West like, Coast, which means I'll oh have to get up at nine o'clock to watch this. And I, I don't know football. if that's worth it to be perfect. <laughs> I don't know if it's worth it to watch Wisconsin beat Michigan 13 to three at nine o'clock yes. in the morning when I could be sleeping. So it's, it's that's a very, I, I'm going to have a very big, you know, crisis of conscience on Friday night when I'm trying to figure out whether or not I want to <laughs> sleep in or not to in, uh, get up and watch this game. But knowing me, I'll probably end up, waking up to watch it just because you know it'll be it'll be great to fully digest it so for the podcast (laughs) next week when michigan inevitably ends up scoring in the single digits i can just laugh and laugh and laugh (laughs) um but on that note what what are you expecting realistically in turn you talked about it's going to be three yards in a cloud of dust but would you expect wisconsin to be able to pull it out over the wolverines at home uh so i'm going to start this with a stat which is which I found kind of interesting. So we since love 2015, here. Uh, we do. Uh, since 2015, two full-time Power Five head coaches have been an underdog at least six times and have not won a single game. Both of those coaches are Big Ten coaches. One of them is Tom Allen at Indiana, who's 0-14. The other one's Jim Harbaugh, who's 0-6. Oh my! Which is astounding. And granted, he hasn't had a whole lot of opportunities, but goodness! I, I mean, would imagine most you know, of those are those, against Ohio State. Yeah, probably probably three of them are so or four of them would be so. You know, there are only two non-Ohio State games, but yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those stats where if you're kind of ready to move on from Jim Harbaugh, it's definitely something you would point to. Yeah, I've been riding the Michigan fan bus pretty heavy since the start of the year. A lot of me thinks that Michigan's that Michigan's going to be the team that gets this win. Um, I my head says no, but it's just like what I feel. That Michigan is going to win. My mind is telling me no. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I feel like Michigan should be well built to stop a really one-dimensional offense, but then again, they almost lost to Army. So it's just, I think this is a straight-up coin flip game. I think that if you say with certainty that one team is going to win, I think you're kind of off your rocker. I think both teams come into this with a 
perfectly reasonable chance to win. I have no idea who's well, going to come out. Here's with it. what I think the advantage is for Wisconsin, other than the fact that they're playing at home. They have their identity on offense. They it's Jonathan mm-hmm. Taylor or bust for them. They know that he's their ride or die guy. They know exactly what they want to do. They want to control the script. Mm-hmm. They want to pound you into submission with the ground game, put the clamps on you with the defense. They know exactly who they are, and I think that that's a big reason why they've looked so dominant even in their games where they've played against South Florida and Central Michigan. Granted, two not very good teams, but you don't get those results unless your team knows exactly what you want to be. Michigan, that's really true. I mean, how many teams in the Big Ten period have their stuff figured out? And aren't you know still trying things out and trying? I mean, not to work a lot through, of teams in college things. football in general at this yeah. stage of the season are even at that stage, especially if yeah, you're implementing sure. a new offense like Michigan is. And I think mm-hmm. Urban Meyer himself made this point on uh, on Fox. You, it really takes about five or six weeks if you're implementing a new offense for mm-hmm. everybody to kind of get up to speed and comfortable with the system and get the timing and the cues right. And that's yep. kind of where Michigan is. And so Michigan yep. has does not have their offensive identity worked out yet. I mean, it seems like Harbaugh is really eager to switch McCaffrey in for Shea Patterson at a moment's notice if things aren't going that well. And I think mm-hmm. that that just reeks of desperation. And there's going to be moments, I think, where Michigan has a, a crisis on their hands where they're like, we don't know what we want to do in this game. And I think that's ultimately going to be when Wisconsin is able to take advantage, and that's what's going to push them through. Yeah, I, so you know there are a couple of things that I think are definitely tilted to Wisconsin's favor. One of them you already said, which is that they're playing at home. The other one is that they definitely have the best football player on the field in Jonathan Taylor. Um, Michigan has a bye coming in, which should help. You know, you'd think so getting Wisconsin. two weeks to prepare for this team. Yeah, touche. So it comes right back off the board. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is just going to be a really this is going to be a slog. It's going to be whoever makes fewer mistakes is going to be the team that wins and. You know, the more I talk, the more I find myself leaning Wisconsin because yeah. you know, is Shea Patterson the quarterback you want in a game where you really need to take care of the ball? I don't think so. But I, I don't know. I mean, Michigan has so many playmakers you haven't really been able to see yet. You know, if Donovan Peoples-Jones can go and Tariq Black can go at you know, near full strength, they have playmakers on the outside that Wisconsin can't match. I think This is a really great matchup. I think of all the crossover games you could have possibly gotten this year, we got the best one, right? I mean, is there another Big Ten West, Big Ten East matchup that would be this engaging? Uh, you know, granted, no one's going to score any points, but I think this is very clearly the most interesting game. I, th- I think Ohio State would tear down Wisconsin. I don't yeah, I mean, I'm not really look. I don't want to see Ohio State play, play any Big West teams until the championship, yeah. to be honest. But, you know, right. to that point in terms of the crossover games, I mean, I'm I'm looking at this and I'm I'm thinking – you know, obviously, there's still a small contingent of people, I think, that Michigan has an outside chance to make the college football playoff and is a realistic contender for that. If they lose this weekend, I think that it's fair to assume that yeah, that bye goes bye. out the window. Yeah. But And then that really leaves, I mean, you know, what did what would a loss mean for Wisconsin in this case? Because I'm not sure mm-hmm. how seriously they're being taken in terms of that. So then that really yeah, just comes not. down to what this game means for them with respect to winning the Big Ten. And I mean, these crossover games, I'm not really sure how much they ultimately end up meaning. So I know that you have been eager to talk about this subject. So why don't we lay it out here yeah. right now? Does Big West no, versus think, Big East really matter? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a fascinating concept because, you know, 
like we talked about from the first show is that these two divisions are playing just different sports almost, you know, for the big 10 West, it's, you know, you're going to have three games that you need to win two of against, you know, Wisconsin, Nebraska, Iowa, and then whoever the fourth team is that year. Um, as long as you win two of those three games, you're basically going to be okay. And the crossover games, you're going to lose your tough one. You're going to win your easy one. and it's going to be fine. Uh, but I think this is just so interesting because, you know, what really is there here? You know, wouldn't, Ultimately, Wisconsin just rather have this week off. You know, do you really want to even play these crossover games? You know, it's so out of balance. It feels like the best part about these crossover games isn't necessarily the matchups because, again, only one of them I think is really engaging, which is the one we have this week. But yeah, you know, it just puts it into a crystal just how unequal these divisions are. Um, I mean, Wisconsin is at this point in the season head and shoulders above the best, above the rest of the Big Ten West, and they're the only team that can possibly pose a challenge to Michigan or Penn State, probably. So would you rather see the alternative then? Where you only play the Big Ten West against each other and only the Big Ten East against each other? I don't know. I mean, then you get just, if you're a Big Ten West fan, it just sucks. You you just get to play bad teams. And ultimately, you need to have crossover games because Indiana and Maryland and Rutgers need to have a game where they can win. So it's kind of unavoidable. But when you try and figure out who's coming out of the Big Ten West, which is ultimately the only thing that's affected in crossover games, because the Big Ten East is going to be just fine. Um, It feels like on the luck of the draw, it's going to help you so much to win that Big Ten West championship. Because if you play Ohio State, that's a loss. If you play Michigan on the road, that's a loss. And if you duck those two teams in your crossover games, all of a sudden you're almost the favorite in the Big Ten West, regardless of what your skill level is. So it's just it's this very like twisted example of how basically the big 10 needs to just change the damn divisional system. And we get these little glimpses every other week of a incredibly unequal system, which I think is super, it's fascinating. It sucks, but it's super fascinating. And then hopefully, you know, enough of these games, enough of these instances will happen where change actually has to get done. Um, But it's kind of a fascinating half exhibition game. Burn down the Big Ten, baby. We, we've been we saying it since it, day one. <laughs> we got to get rid of it. Yeah, we got to get rid of it. I I really don't know how to feel because on, on one thing, I think these crossover games are important in terms of if you if your ultimate goal is to demonstrate the strength of your conference, I think that you're in, in this era where that sort of politicking unfortunately matters because of the SEC, and I I think that you need to have these crossover games if you want to on a national stage impress you know i guess the the committee and impress you know i, I don't know why you would need to worry about impressing the fans of other teams but if you're just generally trying to build a sense that your conference is competitive i think that these crossover games are important but to your point yeah. there's not a ton of big time matchups you have outside of ones like michigan and wisconsin that people would really even want to watch anyway there's not a lot of palatable yeah. football out there so it's it's ultimately just schedule filling i mean right. you can't it's, play just against your own divisions not enough football games there it's quite a conundrum the big 10 has created for itself yeah i mean you know you do a dumb system instead of just getting rid of divisions and you get dumb instances, you know, who would have guessed? Well, I mean, to the point of, you know, staying in your own division every year, I would, I would absolutely love to see Ohio state play Rutgers every season. Uh, that, that would be just... <laughs> yeah. I'm sure you would. I'm sure Rutgers loves that too. 
Well, hey, it's it's better than watching Miami of Ohio or uh, I I've already forgotten who the first two teams they played were. Uh, it's true, and, and you know if you're a Rutgers fan watching Rutgers Ohio State, you can just use your hand and cover up half the field, and you can watch a real Big Ten team. Um, and you never have to watch Rutgers, and then you can use the other exciting. hand to count all the touchdowns that Rutgers has <laughs> scored against Ohio State ever scored the, ever. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, and all that's right, a great then. Saturday. Well, let's let's conclude with this. Michigan State is playing Northwestern this oh weekend, and we just for Michigan State a new one. I know that you really are, you know, you've got a weird relationship oh with this Northwestern team, but sure you were do. optimistic last week and they won yeah. and they beat a UNLV they, team yeah. that even though I know you didn't like them, they were actually one of the leading rushing attacks in the country going into the game. So yeah, it's not yeah. like they were terrible. Do you think that yeah. Mick McCall can do it two weeks in a row? Yeah, God. So this is going to be the worst football game ever, played, <laughs> right? Like first to three points is probably going to win this game. We were just talking about right? how bad the score is going to be in Michigan, Wisconsin in this game. I mean, if yeah, we get is, out of the double so digits, I'll be thrilled. <laughs> so if you look at like the national, like the broadcast TV of what you have at the 11 o'clock window, you have Northwestern Michigan State on ABC and Michigan, Wisconsin on Fox. Oh, Disney, what are you doing? Like, that's a combined 20 points. Walt Disney just rolled over in his cryostasis chamber or his coffin or wherever (laughs) he is. This is going to be so bad. This game is going to be abysmal. But I really suggest watching it. Because if you like watching just, like, fun, bad shithouse football, this is... This is the. I want to see D'Antonio's head explode. I want to see if they put yeah, thirteen it, on the field this week. Oh, who knows? The world's their oyster. An offensive explosion. Thirteen ten. They could have thirteen so, on the field. I still don't think they'd score ten points. <laughs> so you know, we don't do betting advice on this show because I'm terrible at it. I don't know if you are, but uh, it's you know it's a good way to look like an asshole. <laughs> but the over under opened at like forty. I think it's down to thirty nine. Smash the under. Yeah. The line is Michigan State minus nine. Smash Northwestern on that. Do, do with that uh, what make you some will, money. listeners. <laughs> just make some money while watching this terrible football game. Just take that free money that the good people in Vegas are offering you, uh, and go home with it. The All other right. side of this coin is that if Northwestern wins this game, which they might well could do, they own Michigan State in recent years. They're all of a sudden relevant in the Big Ten West again. They're still way below Wisconsin, but if a weird thing happens with Wisconsin, all of a sudden Northwestern matters. Uh, so there's some positive there. I would like uh, to see please, it. Yeah, unless you, you are sadomasochistic, just leave this game off. Don't tune in. I'm going to watch the whole game. I'm going to watch every second of this game, um, but that's because I have brain worms. God, having me choose between Michigan State, Northwestern, and Michigan, Wisconsin, I mean, that's... So if you treat it as one football game, you'll get the amount of points that should be scored <laughs> in a regular fair, football game. That's very fair. So you just yeah, got to change is, a frame of reference. Yeah, I think this is definitely, instead of putting the game up on two, uh, running two TVs and putting the game up on each one, you could definitely just, you know, do a previous channel maneuver with your remote. <laughs> yeah, you can, uh, you won't miss too much, I think, between skipping uh, through the commercial breaks and whatnot. So, yeah, as long as you're quick on the trigger, you shouldn't miss too much. But... Uh, let's, uh, I think we've reached about the end here. We've covered most of it. Do you have any other final thoughts for any big 10 teams as we, uh, start to wrap up non-conference here and transition into conference play? Yeah. Uh, so I think Nebraska is a good team to talk about here because 
you know, like I said last week and the week before, it's a team that doesn't need to be good yet. You know, they dominated a bad Northern Illinois team. Very cool. Did they dominate uh, though? I think, yeah. I mean, they've won by a lot of points. But they made a lot of dumb mistakes. I mean, that was one of the... Well, they're a dumb football team. Like, they, they're going to do are. dumb things. They took a safety so, against a MAC team. Yeah, that's it's not super advisable. Um, but I think that's... I think most of the teams in the Big Ten, I want to say, maybe that's not 100% accurate, but a lot of the teams in the Big Ten... We kind of know what they are, right? So we know Ohio State is kind of going to be a fringe college football playoff team. How good they are remains to be seen. We know what Wisconsin is. We know what Michigan is. We know what Penn State is. We know what all the bad teams are. But Nebraska is still the very biggest question mark of them all. I mean, this is a team that could still go in two very different directions. So in that regard, they're probably the most interesting team coming up. You know, if you had to ask, you know, what are unresolved questions from basically non-conference play, Nebraska is just in its entirety, an unanswered question. I think it so, depends yeah, on your definition of the word interesting. I would say that they're my most intriguing team I want to yeah. see fail and spiral down into chaos. <laughs> Other than Michigan, of course. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, that's that's the team that I still have my eyes on. And I think Penn State is probably the other, the flip side of that, because in a lot of ways, you know, they haven't performed up to expectations and are they actually deserving of a top 15 ranking? I don't know. Um, but I think those are two teams that um, are at least worth a close set of eyes as we get into real football, you know, real conference action where it's a completely different timber. Um, those are two teams that I would definitely keep your eyes on. Yeah, well, I don't, I don't have too much more to add on to that. I thought this was a pretty, un- I mean, other than this past weekend where we saw the wheels just come off on half the conference, I don't know. Uh, I thought this was a fairly uneventful non-conference stretch for the Big Ten. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm excited yeah. to see these other teams start, you know, dragging each other down into the collective crab bucket that is the uh, the Big Ten as a whole and keep, keep everybody <laughs> other than hopefully maybe Ohio State from achieving any national relevance towards the end of the season. So uh, exactly. It's, it's, uh, it's going to be a fun one, but – I think that the weekend after this, there's there's definitely some interesting matchups, and we'll get to those on the show next week. But if you listen all the way to the end with us, we want to thank you very much, and uh, don't forget to come back next week. We, yeah, for Ben Gorin, I'm George Eisner. Thank you very much for listening to Burn Down the Big Ten, and we'll be back next week with Episode 5 and hopefully a whole lot more uh, teams to laugh at. So thanks very much, and we'll, we'll see you soon. Take care. Take care.